0: Mofax with Adam Curry for March seventh, twenty twenty. This is episode number twenty eight. Fresh back from California from the Joe Rogan Show. I gave us a little plug there, Mo. I heard. I heard. And th- I got to thank you, man. You have no idea. You have no idea how much street cred you gave me. Because on this, well, on this very show, you know, you threw in a little Dolsom uh, sound effect on uh, one of yep. your clips, Yoga Flame, Yoga Flame, yeah. And so that was in my head, and then all of a sudden that came out. And I was looking at the YouTube comments on the on the Rogan interview, and uh-huh. people like, "Oh man, big up to the to Curry with a Street Fighter two reference." All right, <laughs> so I look cool with the kids, man. Uh, I'm indebted. I appreciate it.
1: Gamer Curry. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I played that for a whole. I think I told you I, I played it for a whole summer with Bill Bellamy. You know, Bill Bellamy, the comedian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on MTV I'm, at the time, and uh, we I'm, we I'm were at the player. yeah we were at the beach while well, he was really good. Um, and we were at the MTV Beach House, mm-hmm. and you know it was a lot of downtime. We were actually staying at the Beach House, and for some reason, he and I just we would just play Street Fighter all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my cred how are you my friend i am doing well yeah. uh, coronavirus corona didn't get you didn't corona free yeah you're all good didn't get you down yet okay so yeah. um it's been doing mess. well okay good cited,
1: cited for you being on rogan and getting the plug and people finally getting you getting the credit that you deserve being the pop oh so.
0: you're too kind too kind but yes it was a renewal card is what i told joe so thanks, man. Thanks for renewing my credibility. I'll come back in 10 years. I need another one by then. People will forget. You know. Who knows? He'll be the pod father by then. All right. Uh, I suggest we get this uh, show underway, and I uh, rev up the wheel of topics. Where it stops, nobody knows. But where it does stop, that's where we goes, making it up on the spot. The topic for today's Mo Facts with Adam Curry is... <laughs> Crack! Cocaine. It's big business and it's big crime. Oh, are we finally going to look at the music business and their evil ways?
1: Actually, we're going to look at the drug epidemic being the crack era. Nice.
2: Uh, the <laughs> nice. reason why I'm diving
1: into this is we talked about Stop and Frisk on the last show. We did. And to understand that, we had to, I wanted people to understand how we got to that point of needing Stop and Frisk so okay, that was brought on by the crack era yes uh so as a backgrounder i found uh presented by snowfall the tv show on fx they had a little special called here's how the crack epidemic brought a city to its knees
3: my name is aaron williams i'm a journalist from compton california I've been researching the effects of the crack epidemic for over a decade. Crack is the processed version of the party drug cocaine in rock
4: form. I did try it, and from that moment on, I was chasing the initial high. It goes directly to the pleasure center of your brain. There's just no escape from it once you're addicted.
3: It was so profitable to sell crack. Everybody lost their
5: minds. One dollar, two dollar, three dollar moe When the young baby mama and a daughter
6: going broke baby, Increased boom. violence, gangs, riots. The Crips and the Bloods have swarmed eastward. The use of crack increasing quickly.
7: Fearlessly setting up an open-air drug market. The
3: reaction of mainstream America was, Oh my God, we have to fix this immediately.
0: I can't wait to hear your take on uh, this topic, Mo. I know some about <laughs> it, of course, uh, because of the... Uh, uh, Iran contra and how uh how the how the drugs came in so I, mm-hmm. I i know one side of the story but i'm sure there's a lot you're going to expose us to
1: yes yeah, so i wanted to get to the human side of the story it also examined some of the characters that are rarely mentioned in the uh whole crack era in drug war on drugs uh uh-huh. epidemic that, that occurred so th- this show snowfall it covers like the creation of crack in a fictional type way mm-hmm. um, so they did a little background on on the event itself so I just, guess we'll get into part 2 of this uh, of this clip
7: they work every day to plot a new and better way to steal our children's lives
3: no. that was right around the time the dare came out the egg and the skillet This is your brain on drugs. Thousands
8: of dollars in cash and
6: firearms. Enough
3: is enough. Trying to fix things without knowing how they got broken in the first place is a great way to break them worse. You had Ronald Reagan getting involved. Retribution must be swift and sure for those who decide to make a career of preying on the innocent. You have the militarized police. I've seen plenty of raids in my lifetime. If you've ever seen the movie Straight Outta Compton where the tank rams in the door, that was right around the corner from my house. I remember thinking, that's a house. People live there. If you are caught with rock cocaine, they were getting these sentences for 25
9: years. You've gotta have mandatory laws. You've gotta show people if you arrest them, we're gonna keep them.
0: Are we also going to um, help Joe Biden uh, get elected with this show for his involvement in this? <laughs> goggles, Curry. Goggles. Oh, damn it! Hold on a second. Let me put them on. Okay, I'm 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 focused. I'm back. No star will be
1: left unturned by the end of this show. That's why I said about the characters that are rarely we know about Reagan, we know about Bush, we know about Oliver North but we're going to look at some of the names that you don't hear brought up in both sides of the uh, crack epidemic. One being the uh, crime bill and then the other side being the actual, well, we'll get to that. Um, it's man, it was, it was terrible. I mean, I I was born in 1980. Mm -hmm. So I saw this whole thing, uh, unfold right before my eyes. It impacted my family, family members, uh, People in you saying in my community, uh, was, loved was, ones. Was
0: it really something that just started like one day to the next? Is that how it felt?
1: Yeah, yeah. It really just showed up overnight, mm-hmm. uh, and we're gonna get into how it showed up because we saw it in the media first, and then it started to manifest itself in in real life. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of how it happened. Right. So let's just get into this final uh, final backgrounder, uh, Snowfall Three. People are going in at 20 and coming
3: out at 45. How are you supposed to build a community that way? You had this
4: proxy war going on. A Senate investigative panel found that there were people associated with the CIA who were involved with drug trafficking. One of the motives was to raise money for the Contras in Nicaragua. Tonight, I can report to you that we've made much progress. It's almost hard to comprehend what might have been if not for this crack scourge that raced through Los Angeles and other major cities. Yeah.
1: So, what I want to do now is we have to go back. Before crack, there was cocaine, powder cocaine. Right. And that was seen as a party drug. I mean, you probably know better than I do because you were in the scene at oh, the time. Yeah, although,
0: um, interestingly, in seven and a half years at MTV, never was offered, never saw it around the studios, et cetera, Of course, you know, um, very low. None of that. Uh, a lot at MTV itself, but that era. Oh yeah, and it and it was yes, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed.
1: And just for reference, what was those seven year, that seven-year time frame? 80, so
0: 86 is uh, when I started. So 86 mm-hmm. uh, to 93, uh, 70, yeah, 90, 93, 94. So that was kind of right smack in the middle of it, I'd say.
1: So that was the, kind of the end of the powder cocaine era and mm-hmm. the beginning of the crack era. Yeah. So I wonder if that had something to do with you didn't actually see it because cocaine itself was cocaine, powder cocaine, was the social drug, was the party drug. Yes. Whereas crack was more of a hardcore addiction. Well, when
0: when, um, when Yo! MTV Rap started, um, and that was, that had to be around 90. Um, I think maybe mid-80s, actually. It uh, wasn't, yeah, well, 80, 88 maybe, 89. It was, mm-hmm. it was later than you think. Most people think it was much earlier, but it wouldn't. You know, Yo MTV Raps, I think, was uh, okay, uh, late eighties. Um, uh, you know, uh, actually, I, I would say there was a lot of heroin that, uh, that you know, especially the hair bands. Those guys were all into black rock and <laughs> all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but most of the the hip hop guys who came by, no, nah, I don't know. Maybe they were just uh, good at hiding it. I, I, I hate to disappoint, but it's not like I saw people smoke. Well, the only thing we all knew was Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown were smoking crack. We knew that.
1: Right. And I don't even think Whitney Houston was smoking crack. And that's why she was like a crack is whack. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: think there's, there's something called a uh, woos. woos. And Yeah. That's where you put powder cocaine on weed
0: it's like that <laughs> it's kind of like that <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> hmm. okay yes all right no, that, but that, i think that's reason. why
1: she, if she was uh being um <laughs> uh the semantics of the word like oh no i don't smoke crack right 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 i right, mean because right. that's the thing it's also crack it was like a class thing yeah it was for, for poor people was yes uptown and yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: And crack was like the poverty stricken version of cocaine. Got it. So I just want to get um, into the myths and realities of cocaine.
10: Cocaine comes from the leaves of the coca plant found in the northern part of South America. For over 1000 years, Indians have chewed the leaves, believing them to be a gift from the gods to satisfy the hungry, strengthen the weak, and make the sad forget their sorrows. Today, according to the latest statistics from the National Survey on Drug Abuse, over 22 million Americans have used or are using cocaine.
1: Yeah. all right. I found this clip to be very important, and maybe we want to just earmark it, mm-hmm. because... They originally thought the coca leaf was a gift from the guys that, right. for the hungry and the poor and, you know, people that was down or uh, ridden with, with sorrow. Right,
0: because it would make you feel good.
1: So this is the ideal drug for poverty stricken poor people, especially, quote unquote, <laughs> the black community. I mean, so, if that's what, it,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So wait a minute. So you don't you're going to tell me that the U.S. government did a study. When, hey, I got a great idea. <laughs> Let, these poor fuckers over here. Let's give them some crack.
2: Well, uh <laughs> huh.
0: I don't think it was that
1: um formal, mm-hmm. but I think that the way the the difference between how it interacted, I think there's something there. Mm-hmm. But let's get into uh, myths too.
6: There are numerous methods for taking cocaine. Most popular, of course, is snorting or taking it in through the nose, but it can be swallowed, it can be mixed with alcohol, it can be injected, it can be smoked, it can be applied to any mucosal surface.
11: You would be stunned who does cocaine. Everybody does cocaine. It's headlines every day, I guess, in the newspaper I read. They talk about it constantly. People are busted with it constantly. You know, John Malucci died of it. Richard Pryor catches on fire with it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just a nationwide drug.
3: In the past, you might see somebody with, at a party with a
12: with a drink in their hand, and uh, now in feature films, you see people with Coke spoons in their nose. It's obviously more intense because of the media making it more fashionable,
5: especially when you have uh, celebrities or sports figures involved. Oh, yeah. You
0: know, there was another symbol was the, the silver razor blade uh, necklace. That was another oh, one. Oh, yeah. That was okay. real big back in the day.
1: And the long pinky finger. Uh, oh,
0: pinky that's, nail. Oh, just thinking about it makes me all disgusted. Ugh, <laughs> oh, oh the, Dirty ass coke nail. Ugh. But that was real, though, yeah. because <laughs> yeah. I remember
1: as a kid, if you saw that was kind of like a telltale sign that Somebody was on drugs, like right. they grew their nails out. Right. Uh, <laughs> so as the clip said, and this clip, this clip was from, from a special report from 1983. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, one of the methods of using cocaine was not mentioned was crack. right? Because crack came later, like the mid-1980s, around 85, 86, maybe a little earlier than that. Uh, but as I said, the movies, the movies were pushing uh the use of cocaine. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at the movies as a propaganda vehicle. But as you always know, we had to go back to some throwback clips. Yes. And we had Mr. Charles Wood, aka the professor, and he gave us uh, the real reasons behind black exploitation.
9: One of the other things I failed to mention was growing up, not only did I want to be a white man, I also wanted to make love to Virginia Mayo, <laughs> Rhonda Fleming. Mm-hmm. These names you have to look up, but. brainwashed you. Yes, brother. See, so... now. I'm looking at Pam Grier, Black Chocolate, Gloria Hendry. Now we talking. This is something for us. Uh, hmm.
13: Okay.
1: So if movies were powerful enough to make him want to be white, if you put these black s- superheroes, I mean that's how they were kind of shown as your Superflys, and Shaft. Well, Shaft was a positive image, but the Mac Superfly. And all these other black uh characters, mm-hmm. they would shape the mind of the viewer, of especially the young black viewer, because those were seen as, in a weird way, heroes.
0: Interesting. Uh, so, but why why were they in, why were they heroes? Because they had they they had it made. They had the uh, you
1: mean, had the money. You had the women. You had the flashy lifestyle. The flashy mm-hmm. car um it's a sense of entrepreneurship to be in a weird way because right, you're but, independent but, from demand, the man right
0: the man so you mean when in uh, being involved in drugs but dealing drugs yes dealing drugs gotcha gotcha yeah of course oh all right Being, ma- i just made the connection okay right so then you see all these cool cool cats and they it's their yes they're entrepreneurs <laughs> Of course they're yeah. entrepreneurs and look, and they're making out like bandits, and that's the example. And that was, of course, put together by White Hollywood. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so
1: you have to think about it in this way. If you put these images in front of, like I said before, they were superheroes, mm-hmm. and it was seen as a kind of a victimless crime because the attic wasn't shown in the film it was like people just having fun and partying and you were the person supplying this quote unquote party drug mm-hmm. but let's get into the second trip uh, second clip by Mr.
9: Charles Wood these films they help quell those riots because remember we had the current Commission studying why we had all these riots these films helped to calm that down. I called it rioting in the movie theaters. Because all of our anger and our angst we were able to vent in seeing people who look like us kick the white man's behind. And what was the subtitle of exploitation? Get whitey. For every drop of black blood spilled a white man pays. He had a plan to stick it to the man. The man. See, we were beating the man. And so, I call it rioting in the movie theater because this was rioting without destroying anything. It was a catharsis for us.
0: Is this the genesis of black audiences in movie theaters? You can say that,
1: uh, because when you look at the time... 19 early 1970s that's when really segregation had really been officially put to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh then you said content movie movies being made targeted towards a black audience. So yes, you could say that. But I'm more if you listen to the clip and what they were playing in the background, it was super fly. Super fly, yeah, I heard it. So for Shaft and being the positive and being the you know the cop and cleaning up the streets you had Superfly, which was the drug dealer. I, and I want to say, really, the first drug black drug dealer you saw on film uh, being the head of his own operation.
14: This dude
11: is bad. And he ain't just fly. He's super fly, yeah. Super fly. When it comes to women, they come to him, but it's still not enough. He wants a big score, a million in cash, yeah, the big one. This is a
15: chance, and I want to take it now, before I have to kill somebody, before somebody ices me.
2: What kind of money are we talking about? Uh.
15: I won't hear his ass out working.
10: now, then I took all this chance for nothing, then I go back to being nothing, working
15: some jive job for chump change day after day, because that's all I'm supposed to do, then they gonna have to kill me, because that ain't enough.
5: Ain't I clean, bad machine, super cool, super mean, feeling good for the man, super fly, here I stand, secret stash, heavy bread, baddest bitches in the bed, I'm your pusher man.
14: Can a super fly Harlem dude beat the system? He's got a plan to
11: stick it to the man. (laughs) He's super hood, super high, super dude, super fly. All
0: right. Holy fuck. In retrospect, in retrospect (laughs) of, you know, what I would consider politically correct nonsense today. Holy Mm -hmm. crap. This was this is an outrage. This is saying it right there. That's right, man. It's gonna be great. Deal the drugs. Stick it to the man. Oh brother. Deal the drugs. Stick it to the man. Stick hey. it to the man. Jeez. S-
1: so Superfly was made in nineteen uh, seventy-two. 72? Yeah. It was directed by Gordon Parks Jr. Are you familiar with Gordon Parks Jr.?
0: Uh, not offhand. He also
1: uh, directed Shaft. Oh, he did both sides of the equation. Interesting. Yes. Uh
2: huh. So
1: he was uh. Huh. Mr. Gordon Parks, he was a uh, groundbreaking uh, American photographer, musician, poet, novelist, journalist, activist, and film director. Huh. Uh, he was best remembered for his photo essays in Life magazine and as director of the 1971 film Shaft. In 1942, he had an opportunity to work for the Farm Security Administration, brought, um, brought the photographer to national capital. So... He worked for the government. He was, he was basically a politician.
2: <laughs>
1: a little more than that. Home. He's been accused as being a, and this is a quote from a, a website, Block Talk Radio.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Gordon, Gordon Parks was nothing more than a farce, a CIA operative who lived among Negro leaders and their followers, only to report to the CIA. Gordon <laughs> Parks was nothing more than an Uncle Tom. There's no secret. Life Magazine let the cat out the bag just like the white people uh, to do this. Uh, why the white devil worked, I'm reading a quote-quote here. It says, why the white devil worked to clip his wings before they declared him a fallen angel, he is affirmed to have played a key, ro- key role in the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., what? Uh, Minister Malcolm X, along with uh, Jesse Jackson. We, we talked about Jesse Jackson in a previous show. Sure. Billy Cows and other CIA operatives.
0: Wow. Okay, and, this and this history is you know if you even looking at Wikipedia, there's like nothing there. No, there's no there there. But <laughs>
1: I want to bring some attention to something that you may have seen. If you've seen the movie uh, American Gangster, oh, which yeah. is another movie that talked about the drug trade and how. It was one sole black man uh, supplying all of America well, it, with heroin. Well, it's
0: also based on on a true story. It's uh, and it's Denzel, right? He he plays. Yeah. He plays that. Yeah, that's it, based it on was, a true story.
1: It was based on a true story, but they embellished a lot there. But I want to point out to you, if you notice, his confidant with the big mustache. Yeah. Uh, that he's always talking. To, that's Garden Parks.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: so to think that one man was i don't want to get off an american gangster tangent but just to think that one man was bringing that much heroin in on military planes
0: oh yeah all by himself
1: with the government not being involved oh please (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) yeah okay we we know that part is not true but okay
1: all right so the plot of superfly was basically a suave uh top-run new york city drug dealer uh, he decides he wanted to get out the game, and this film was so impactful that young people were walking around with bags of flour and baby powder
0: just to look cool,
1: just to emulate what they saw in the film. Wow. Uh, so let's get into this. is from Fandor. It's a YouTube channel, Superfly, and the 1970s black exploitation cinema.
4: Mr. Ron O'Neill, the first young blood priest, the original Superfly. Released in 1972, Superfly, directed by Gordon Parks Jr. and starring O'Neill as the iconic drug dealer, is one of the most iconic titles to come out of the Blaxploitation movement. Blaxploitation was a genre of cinema that began in the early 70s with Ozzie Davis's Cotton Comes to Harlem, Mario Van People's Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, and Gordon Parks Sr.'s Shaft. These films were not exactly well made, however, they were hugely popular in the African American community because this was the first time the audience got to see films directed by and starring people who look like them. The stars of exploitation films were the heroes of their stories and not just victims or sidekicks to white characters, which have been the case since, oh, the beginning of cinema. <laughs> Mario Van Peebles?
0: He was he goes back that far? His father. Oh, senior. I was going to say, oh, Senior. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, see, I and again... I've but met he's going to come into the
1: picture eventually
0: yeah. i've met him i i junior, I, I, junior, junior. is going to
1: come into the picture eventually okay so we had like like the uh gentleman from fandor said this is the first time where we had uh stars yes the stars of the movie being black so that was very uh inviting of course to say oh man he's you know he's whooping ass and sticking it to the man you know and you didn't realize the drug part of it now, so is that,
0: you went f- is that exactly how you'd say it hey What's man that? he's whooping his ass and sticking it to the man is that how you that's the that's, I- the, sep- that's the 70s, <laughs> 70s I want to I wanna hear 70s Mo say it that's what I want to hear <laughs> so so
1: so that goes from 1972 now we fast forward to 1983 when another mm. drug uh, narco film came out another Scarface. classic
14: yeah the classic okay so what do you
11: call yourself? Huh? ¿Cómo se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where would you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in school. And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Yeah, just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, he used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like Humphrey uh, Bogart. They inspired me. They teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here the United States. 1980,
14: Miami. They called it Little Havana, where the American dream had
11: a price tag, and only one man in a million was hungry enough to pay. This country, you got to make the money first. Then, when you get the money, you get the power. Then, when you get the power, then you get the woman. (laughs) Scarface.
0: For one brief moment, the world was his. Say hello to my little friend. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This film is so
1: iconic, yes, and powerful. Almost every rappers from the nineties either had a Scarface motif video skit on their album
0: reference, yeah, reference a, a, a in the reference. lyrics. A
1: lot of them had their names: Tony Montana, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, French,
1: yeah. Listen now, French Montana, French Montana. Uh, <laughs> That
0: guy, I find him such a tool. But that, that's just well, I'm
1: just showing. I mean, even to the day, yeah, yeah. uh One, even one of the biggest uh, drug cartel, black drug cartels there was was Black Mafia Family. They even had billboards put up in a uh, cities saying, "The world is ours." Huh. So this how iconic this film was, and it was it shaped it shaped so much of um of the reality in these poor communities.
0: Right, although this was more Hispanic related,
1: it was Hispanic related, but the black community latched on to it because it's the tale of a you know coming up from yeah. nothing coming to up, something.
0: Coming up, that's yeah. that's the term. That's that. By the way, that is the term that's still used today. Coming up. Mm-hmm. So you see, now you went from uh,
1: Superfly to Scarface. And one of the iconic scenes from Scarface
11: was the bad guy. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers... Let's say that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie.
5: Me, I
16: don't have that problem. Me? I always tell the
11: truth, even when I lie. So say night to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy
5: like this again, let me tell you.
0: I was just looking at and I I didn't know this but this is uh this film was actually a remake. The film was made in 1932. I didn't know that either. Yeah, it was uh now and it was produced by Howard Hughes, the uh the eccentric millionaire. Huh.
1: Interesting. I'm glad you said that cuz something almost slipped my mind because I think in 2017 they tried to make a remake of Superfly
0: oh interesting
1: to to reintroduce the programming huh. nice. when you see films like this and it's a whole i mean, I, I could do a whole show on dr- <laughs> drug inspired or gang inspired films that yeah. shaped the mind of the the quote-unquote black community or black <laughs> ghetto because i don't want this to be a representation of the black community per se but a segment of the black community that latched onto this idea. Uh, and it's no different than the Kennedys no, with alcohol. No, it's no different no, than no, the uh, uh DeLano uh, Roosevelt and they made their money off of heroin. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is American apple pie. <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we do, but if you you had to be legitimized and I another film that I just 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 a small reference to, you saw this with The Godfather 3. It's finally when he made it all the way to the top, he yes. just realized the whole power structure <laughs> uh, profited off of the, the uh illicit uh, vice trade. Yes. Whatever it is, vice yep. uh gambling, mm-hmm. prostitution, drugs, and alcohol went during prohibition. So that here we are. So he we went from nineteen eighty three, uh, you have the bad guy, which the bad guy has really seen is the good, a good guy. The good guy, sure. Because he in that speech, scarface is telling the truth because he said, "Look at all you people, you're making money off of the drug trade because Miami Beachfront was built most mostly <laughs> off drug of, money, oh yeah, yeah, off of drug money, mm-hmm. and it's a funny scene in the Scarface film because they're rolling in wheelbarrows <laughs> full of cash into the bank." <laughs>
0: And nobody's asking any questions. <laughs> well, back in the day, it was I've uh, you could it was easier. It was <laughs> it was easier to just roll up with cash. You could do that. But yeah, exactly. It, everyone everyone was in on it. Everyone was good with it.
1: I, I have a question for you because I heard you uh, bring this up before. But call me. It's oh. just not back in the day. Would, no. you, would you like to share people with Comey and how that's relevant to, to him?
0: Yes. The bank HSBC, which is the Hong Kong, Singapore, Bank of Hong Kong, Singapore, Brazil, China, I guess it is. Um, mm-hmm. They, uh, in 2002 through 2000, oh my gosh, I don't even know the exact dates. Um, but in, in, in our lifetime, we're literally taking big piles of cash on the Mexican side where they had uh, bank offices, and that would be the drug money. They'd throw the, the big bags of money into the deposit, and then it would go through their system, it would be ingested, and then it would come out the other side, you know, completely laundered and good to go. And they got busted for it. HSBC got busted for it. No one went to jail, surprise, surprise, but on the board of directors at the time who was there to help fix the problem was Mr. James Comey. Uh, the FBI he, uh, former FBI director well you probably know about him
1: and just to add to that one of those guys that i'm sure they were laundering money for was el chapo that,
0: that was their main guy their, Let's see, their um, the settlement <laughs> hold on a second i there was mm-hmm. uh i have an article here somewhere i think uh well, here's the headline uh it, it, this is a headline from matt taibbi he's the he's the guy who know that he's great rolling stone magazine matt taibbi writes fant- i can't believe he's still alive actually um <laughs> it says outrageous hsbc settlement proves the drug war is a joke if you're sus- if you're suspected of drug involvement america takes your house hsbc admits to laundering cartel billions loses five weeks income and execs have to partially defer bonuses I mean, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what skin color you have, my friend. That pissed everybody off. That was that was not okay, and it's still not okay.
1: And for a little reference, people want to say, "Oh, El, El Chapo, El Chapo is the bad guy," but in his home community, oh, a
0: hero, superhero. He's he seen
1: his same thing with uh, Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm. He was a hero, so it's not exclusive to the black community to say the bad guy is the good guy at all. No. And one of those bad guys that's most famous, it's, it's a fictional character, is Nino Brown in New Jack City.
17: Living, living,
5: living, just to know. Wesley Snipes. Living, we will Ice Team. Living, living, living
10: Alan Payne. Chris Rock. Mario Van Peebles, Christopher Williams, Vanessa Williams, Tracy Camilla Johns, and Judd Nelson.
4: This is Detective Nick Retty, big crazy jawhead, motorcycle freak, reject cop just like you, Scotty. Money,
10: money. On the streets, money, 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 there's money, a fine line money, between money, wrong money, and right. Money, good, good and money, bad. But and but bad but between those I who enforce the law.
15: It is a war out there. And those who break it. Gone are the days of selling on the street corners. Dark alleyways in the back rooms of some bummy-ass bar. We ain't with that no more. In a city where
10: survival depends on friends. It's always business.
15: Never personal. For the
17: city for the city.
15: Do on family. Things, we gotta look out for one another. Bad things, bad things, bad on trust. Do things, do things, do on,
5: things, things, on loyalty. Things, do on power. Almighty am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> <laughs> am I my brother's keeper? Almighty, yes, I
10: am! A family out to run a city are up against cops who know its streets. <laughs> this ain't business. This is personal.
5: Jack.
15: Oh, this is big business. This is the American way.
5: City. Oh,
0: yeah. Wow. That brings back some memories because this was <laughs> prime MTV time. Here's a little side story for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, oh, I'm trying to think. This must have been right around... See when did when did New Jack City come out? Ninety one, I guess, Not right? Ninety one. Ninety one. Yes. So in it must have been eighty eight, eighty nine. There was a party, and it was a, I think it was a party for Raquel Welch for some reason, and I, and I was like, oh shit, I'll go, I'll go say hi to her, like Raquel Welch. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm, all mm-hmm. right, I grew up with her, <laughs> and there were a couple of guys outside, and uh, uh, as I came out of the event, they're like, hey, Adam, 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 and they would start harmonizing together. And like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and here's our CD, man. You yeah, know, check us out. Color Me Bad. They were on the street, and <laughs> three years later, that that was them in this in this track, right? That was the that was them harmonizing. I think that's isn't that Color Me Bad?
1: Yeah, that that was them in the. Uh, that was these guys around like a fire can harmonizing. But Color Me Bad had the lead single or one of the lead singles from the soundtrack. Yeah, I want to sex you uh, up. I want to sex, sex you up. Yep, Yeah,
0: yep, yep. I remember. It. Oops, sorry.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. This is one of the first films where music, crack, and the superhero. When I left this movie, I went to see it with my older brother. I was probably 12, 11, 12 years old at the time, Ten, maybe 10, 11 at the time. I didn't know who was the good guy or the bad guy. <laughs>
0: right, well, Wesley Snipes, was. Just, I mean, he was badass regardless in this movie. I mean, he was just, people just loved him.
1: He played the role so well, and it was it was mystifying that wow, like a successful black businessman, but you didn't see well, you saw the other side of it, but it left you in this weird place. Even for me, I'm I'm coming from a two parent household. Uh one uh, one parent being an educator, the other being a social worker. So I understand uh I'm not from what they, the place they were portraying. But it was something that was you celebrated, Nino Brown.
0: Yeah, I understand. I, I, you know, totally. I mean, here's the thing: we were we were seeing the same thing. We were rooting for the same guys. We just didn't have the same social uh, background, so I think it meant something different.
1: And it shaped the music that was made after that time. Everything became the artists. We went from self destruction. To now, the rappers become and we we're, we're going to do another show about the music. Mm-hmm. but the rappers became almost prototypes or or copycats of of the heroes Nino Brown. In,
0: in, yes, of course, of course, that's exactly what it was
1: and in this movie, New Jack City, Nino Brown lays out the basic plan how to create a crack enterprise times like these, people want to get hot real high and real fast and this is gonna
15: do it and make us rich
2: i mean what people going crazy over this
5: i mean really it looked like cracked off pieces of soap
15: the colombians and the dominicans have shown us the way and the shit is large but we're gonna do it differently going on the days of selling on the street corners. You change the product, you change the marketing strategy. I've seen the future, y'all. And its name is the Carter. Oh,
16: hold up, hold up, you know
15: The Carter apartments, man, that joint is big. What's up? Yo, baby, we talking about combinating and consolidating. That's what up. You're not thinking I'm taking over the Carter. Yeah, we taking over the Carter. We're going to bum rush the whole damn thing. Now, just imagine, if the tenants cooperate... Oh, it's lovely. I mean, they become loyal customers. They don't? <laughs> Fuck it. It's like Beirut. They become live-in hostages. We're going to set up a lab here to make the product. Kareem, you can hook up the computer system. Watch out for the workers, the money, and the product. The Dutter Man, Keisha, we need a security force. To ward off the rival crews to screen out the customers. We also need lookouts. Here, 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 and here. Alert us to five one place to make the product, one place to collect our money. <laughs> we will own this fucking city.
0: It's so interesting. This is, I mean, you can put this same format right into um, um, Eddie Murphy Trading Places. You can put it into, well, even Dolomite. I mean, this this basic formula of, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to maybe not drug related, but it's always like. I'm the entrepreneur and Bing, all, you know, here's Wesley Snipes. He's like, I'm going to hook up the computer over here and all this stuff going on. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. always that kind of format.
1: It's a system. It's system. You know, it's systemic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is not like he just had a a idea like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to start a crack enterprise. You know, uh, Uh, no, this this and you asked me a question. You said, did it just show up overnight? Yeah. So I saw this movie, and one of the iconic symbols of the crack era is the crack valve. Mm-hmm. You know, the clear, uh, small little yep. cylinder thing and it had the different color tops to
0: it. That yeah, that was the uh that was the the packaging.
1: Right. So I saw this in this movie, and I remember going to see my grandmother. She lived she was a um she lived in low income apartments because her and my grandfather were low income. And I remember Right after this movie, walking around her apartment complex and seeing these on the ground. Oh, so your question was when did it start to show up? It was like right and and in the bigger cities. I'm from North Carolina, and my grandma lived in rural North Carolina, Mm -hmm. so it took time for it to make it to those those small small towns. Sure, but that in my mind, that was like okay because we live in a, a lower middle. Well, middle class, lower middle class, uh, working class community. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really see it there, right? But when I visit my grandmother, I remember walk. it's vivid to this day, and I was like, "Oh, that's what I saw in the New Jack City movie." Being uh, 10, 11 years old, and that's when it started to show up. And then you heard people, family members, yeah, they're on that rock. That's what they used to call it, that rock. Um, they, the names were called uh, rock stars. Mm -hmm. And the term, it was like a whole terminology came with it Mm -hmm. when they would get high and pace. They were called ghost busting and it just consumed.
0: It was uh, totally made to be cool and uh, turned into popular culture.
1: Yes, but it was still still at that time. And I think that's why I was hidden when you said you went to these parties. Smoking crack was a taboo Mm. even though people were doing it and people would do cocaine out in the open yeah but the the crack was something that was kept secret because it was uh low class and yeah that's called a crackhead that's really
0: interesting yeah i mean you're so and when you think about it of course i've i've never really been a i'm a pothead but not a not a not a druggie and it's really there's you know there's to me personally snorting something up your nose is pretty damn disgusting no worse than smoking something out of a glass pipe but yet it had that stigma
1: yeah because you hear nobody say oh they're a coke when you hear cokehead, head and you hear crackhead, when you compare those two things one is two is toothless broke dirty right right uh basically homeless yep. in a way scratching itching whereas the coke <laughs> yeah. it was like oh it's like a hot right, yeah
0: funny. yeah 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 where's where's the bends yeah exactly
1: right and, and even in the cynic scene,
0: it was the difference
2: mm-hmm.
1: because one was the drug of choice and crack was made from yeah. You, yeah it was made to target poor people because the small doses and of cheap s- and low cheap. cost yeah, cheap cheap and it just kept them high all the time where cocaine was a more expensive and so just glamorous fla- So just
0: flashing through my brain, we don't have to talk about it now, but mm-hmm. um, in California today, Los Angeles, you know, we have a heroin epidemic and meth, etc. And I'm just wondering, you know, where are the parallels? We don't have to go into it. I'm just thinking about that. that.
1: That's a... That's too big to cover in this, but yeah. there is a the way it's being handled is totally different. And We're going to see in this, and just for people that know what what's going on, just compare in your mind as you're listening along how things are handled now as they were handled back then. Right on. So we're going back to another throwback clip, and this is from a 1986 special report. Uh,
14: then this was the broken families lead to the streets. You won't find in these neighborhoods the primetime family of Bill Cosby. There are successful, strong black families in America, families that affirm parental authority and the values of discipline, work, and achievement. But not many live around here. Still, not every girl in the inner city ends up a teenage mother. Not every young man goes into crime. There are people who have stayed here to fight for these kids. They're outnumbered by the con artists and pushers. It's not an even match, but they stand for morality and authority and give some of these kids a bracing dose of unsentimental love. When their own fathers are missing, kids need someone else to stand in to practice damage control as the street take over. For these kids, that someone is Detective Shaheed Jackson of the Newark Police. He came by his street smarts the hard way.
11: Well, I came up out of the streets, so I know how to get around a lot of that stuff. And. I guess the older you get, the more you learn. I was fortunate enough coming up that I never got caught. (laughs) And I grew out of the streets, but yet I still have some of the street in me. There was a
14: time when he wasn't sure he would make it off those streets. He was an unmarried father at 18, and he had his share of troubles, but he was raised by two parents. His father was a Baptist minister,
11: and they pushed him to make something of himself. On Sunday morning on my block, you would see each family almost coming out going to church. You know, you don't see that anymore. The family unity.
0: Yeah, of course, broke down.
1: So I played this throwback clip to show you that the community was prime for this epidemic. You had the no man in the house. Yep. Had taken hold for like two, three generations at this time. People were idle. People were locked into uh projects and low-income housing
0: disillusioned so they're looking for
1: this escape Mm -hmm. that's what basically drugs is an escape and i've always said this the super rich and the super poor there's a commonality there because when you get super when you see these people uh, kids come from super rich families they don't have anything to worry about. They no, turn to drugs. They turn to drugs. Exactly. Being, being one Mr. Uh, Joe Biden's son. I mean, <laughs> but <that's, laughs> well, not here nor there.
0: But, many examples of this. Yes. Yeah,
1: but, you, but I'm just saying that it's, he's not even people that try to stop this epidemic or supposedly try to stop this epidemic couldn't escape it. And if you have everything or you have nothing, you're looking for something more out of life. And it's, they're in. They're in the. We're really in the same place. But I, I played this throwback club like I said before, just to show you the environment that was ready for this drug to come in and take hold.
0: Yeah, the timing was just uh, perfect.
1: Almost like it was planned. But, think- but who knows?
14: <laughs>
11: <laughs> uh, let's get into eighty six two. What have you learned about these kids? That they need somebody to love them. You know, they identify with us because we excuse especially we don't take any crap. You know, you come in here, you got to be disciplined. You got to you know follow the rules and regulations because when they go out here and deal with life, they're gonna have to follow rules and regulations in life. Self-control and self-esteem far more important than a good left hook. That's his message to kids like Bernard Wardrick. He's been coaching Bernard for the past four years. It's like a big brother father in with me and Bernard. There's been times when he's gotten me mad and I've spanked him. <laughs> you know, and uh, his mother knows I'll spank him and he knows I'll spank him. And sometimes that's what a kid needs to know. Freedom is a lot of the time destruction. The more freedom a man has, a lot of time he'll just self-destruct. So I try to you know, keep them in a little cage. Somebody. Keep them in my arms. <laughs> Somebody has to say no. Yeah, somebody has to say no. You cannot
14: do this. A lot of these kids grew up with nobody saying no. Right. You think it's important for them to have men around?
11: Yeah, I think uh, you know if you have a one-parent family and it's a mother, she cannot teach you all of the things that a man can teach a son. There's no way. So where do they
14: learn the routine techniques of just daily work and living? They don't. Unless they
11: get it from their parents they'll get it from the streets.
0: Is there a common? Uh, entity amongst uh, the three movies we've looked at right now? Is there a common ownership, a common production? Is there is there something that is common amongst those three to, to trace it back to some, some form of uh, clear planning?
1: I haven't found one smoking gun, but I just think the industry as a whole mm-hmm. because it's weird. The weird thing is you have the media, the news, Telling this story of how destructive this drug is, or these drugs are, but at the same time, you have the Hollywood branch of media uh, glorifying yes. drugs, and it's like they're never on the same page. It's hmm. like I said, it's almost like it's, it's it was a system wide plan to. Uh, to victimize a group of people, whether I mean, if you want to cut that group of people to be the poor, or you want to say it's the the low come low income uh, Black community, but when they set these things up, it never stays confined to the communities targeted at.
0: Right, but it has has anyone ever taken uh, Van Peebles or? Uh well Wesley Snipes got all kinds of problems. <laughs> he had all kinds of shit going down. But I mean there's a lot of people who were involved. Chris Rock, um, you know, a lot of people were involved. They've been taking a task over their participation in this and not, not at all. Not not
1: even the not the musicians, not the actors, nobody. It's just like I was trying to work, you know, I was just trying to uh and, and here's the common thing, like it's better as rap about it or to act about it than than to actually do it. That's that's the hmm.
0: <laughs> Okay. <laughs>
1: that's what the sanitizer uh to like, oh yeah, I mean I could be out here actually selling crack instead of it's, portraying it. It's so on, uh, it's so amazing
0: that you know you had a very powerful force speaking against uh this at this time. And mm-hmm. it was Bill Cosby. You yes. Know? And and it's like wow, and he and I think there was a lot of agreement and he, he had really smart things and he very, very smart things he said. And, of course, it came, became somewhat condescending later on. But in the meantime, we know what he was up to. It's just everyone's shit. <laughs> I have I have no, no faith in anyone anymore. But what they realize is the bad guy being
1: the good guy is way more profitable than putting yeah. good guys on the screen.
0: Yes, 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 yes.
1: So now we have the propaganda that 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 portion that we just came out of was the propaganda setting up. For the crack era, Mm -hmm. it was the priming of the, you know, of the community to drop this, if you want to call it the crack bomb on the community. Yeah, because we as we know, um, it, it was it was done by very high up people. But let's get into the 1986 to 1989 special report crack era one.
8: CBS News takes you on the streets to the war zone for an unusual two hours of hands-on horror. Our focus is on crack, a kind of cocaine, a powerful mind-bender, and increasingly popular and deadly. We call our broadcast 48 Hours on Crack Street.
11: It's not going to have to be around here. All right,
16: but I mean, you can get it? I can get the good crack. You just saw the man try to sell me crack right out in the middle of the street. The camera wasn't even hidden during that sequence. Had to have seen the camera, it was right here.
6: And there just doesn't appear to be any fear of uh, consequence. It's five o'clock on Wall Street on a Friday afternoon. The business day has ended. The stock exchange is closed. People are going home. They're going away for the weekend. But business on the street hasn't ended. It's just beginning. Right here, right
5: do you think the stockbrokers, the lawyers,
18: the people with the money? I love cocaine, and I couldn't wait to get out of college and start working and making money because I wanted to live that lifestyle.
17: Hmm.
1: So this illustrates that it wasn't only black people buying it. it was people on Wall Street, as the gentleman said. It was the stockbrokers, the mm. lawyers, the oh, people yeah. with the money. Whenever they create these, uh, traps, their own children, loved ones fall into these traps. Sure, and and I when I say that, it even goes for the the affluent black people
2: mm-hmm.
1: because, like I said, I grew up in a uh, working class, middle class neighborhood. And you start to hear whispers hey did you hear so-and-so was on crack did you hear so-and-so uh teachers i saw teachers on crack oh man i've seen i te- i've seen teachers buy crack from students <laughs> oh man in yeah. a good school i mean i went to a relatively good school
0: it was, it was just like wildfire um and so how did it not uh grab you mo my dad would kill me one. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be talking. <laughs> right. like, uh, there, well, you had a man. Well, yeah, you just you said it. You had a man about the house. There you go. It, it, he, he didn't play that. And
1: it was. Um, well, let's get into uh, crack era facts. Among the
8: facts you should know, crack is believed to be the most addictive drug known. Estimate. Twenty five million Americans will have tried some form of cocaine by their mid 20s. One third of all college students will have tried it before they graduate. Five thousand more Americans are trying cocaine each
0: day. Hmm.
1: So to, to answer your question, the other narrative about crack was one time
0: and you're a crackhead. Right, 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 right. And co- was, co- co- so you, could, like, you could fly in and out. No problem. No problem.
1: So, I got my dad wanting to kill me on one hand, and then you try it once. I mean, drugs in itself was not glorified. I mean, weed. I mean, but weed was never seen as a drug either by certain groups of people. No, uh, Older people, yeah. I mean, everything was a drug. Uh, <laughs> but, but there was a difference there uh, between weed and crack. And the, the the narrative was like, one try, you're a crackhead, and so that kind of kept me from it.
0: Is that actually uh, true? I mean, I've always believed that that was true that you want you smoke crack once and you then you're hooked for i mean i if you ask me without the show say, so yeah, then you're hooked for and it's real hard to to get off it. I don't even know if
1: that's true. I don't even think it's been proven right. now I mean to say if it's true or untrue but but it hasn't been proven mm-hmm. but let's get into uh so we had these the propaganda started the first wing of the propaganda was the movies mm hmm The next swing of the propaganda, once the crack was introduced to the community, was the crime stories in the news. So let's get into crime three.
7: A boy is in critical condition in a New York City hospital this morning with burns over half his body after a drug-related attack. Police say David Opont was on his way to school in Brooklyn when he was dragged off by another boy. He was beaten, bound, and set on fire after he refused to smoke crack. A 13-year-old boy has been arrested and charged with attempted murder. Today is David's 12th birthday.
0: Yeah, this is what the media does. They do it so well. Similar
1: to how I want to bring something that's current, current in the news, the coronavirus. There's very little facts. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's very little information, but but be they're afraid. trying
0: to push a narrative... Yeah, they'll push. They'll push. That's right. We're all going to die. You know, South by Southwest just got canceled. Yes. It's a $350 million uh, week for the city uh-huh. of Austin. It's gone. They're very huge. So...
1: These crime stories start to pop up. Uh, like you said, this 13 year old kid killed and burned this other kid because he went smoke crack. And then we have
14: Crimes 4.1. Police in Kansas City, Missouri, are searching this morning for a woman who swapped her infant son for $20 (laughs) worth of crack cocaine. I remember these
0: stories, (laughs) living in New York and watching news. These stories were all over the
14: place. The the sell your kid for some crack, this is good. A four-month-old boy (laughs) was turned over to social workers after being left in a bar while his mother smoked crack outside. The crack dealer admits that the baby was part of the transaction.
4: She didn't want it. She didn't want it. I don't care about that.
9: It's just the idea that the baby would have been, you know, somewhere instead
14: in her hands. Police say they've identified the baby's mother but have not been able to find her. (laughs) Oh, man.
1: (laughs) Jeez. So now we have these crack really tearing families apart. Well, we had families already torn apart because the man was taken out of the house. Right. Now we have crack destroying the mother. And one of the famous Tupac lines was even though, mama, you was a crack fiend, you always was a black queen, mama. And I'm quoting it very loosely. But you're left with your mother in the house. She's depressed. She's overworked, overwhelmed by, you know, saying trying to do a two person job of of parenting children. And you need this escape. Mm -hmm. And the perfect escape was crack.
0: Cheap, available and uh, quick.
1: And very little understood. I, I give a pass to the people in the 80s that first started smoking crack. The reason why I say that is we've never seen anything like this before. I mean, you had heroin, but heroin was something different because it was a needle and it was, you know, it, 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 more,
0: it was like a junkie drug. It had a, it had. A, well, I was talking with Joe Rogan about this. It had very bad uh-huh. PR. If it was it was not like oh look at all these people dying and yeah junkie drug exactly. It did not have a great did not have great PR.
1: And a lot of times people first started getting introduced to crack by mixing it with weed. That's why I said the whole Whitney Houston thing. That was a status thing that she was saying. Yeah, my crack is whack. Yes. It was like I don't I don't do crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people and I'm speaking from personal experience of uh, people I personally know. They got introduced not by smoking the rock, but it was put in weed first and mm. they smoke it that way. And then they, then the uh, addiction would progress right? to flat out smoking uh, crack pipes, mm-hmm. which I'm trying to figure out how crack pipes were manufactured. In the first, like, where's this factory making crack pipes at? <laughs> should, well, should we shut that down first of all. Oh, but I mean, I digress on that. I,
0: I'll, I'll bet you dimes to dollars it was coming from China. Just saying.
1: (laughs) So now this is the Hegelian dialectic working its way. You had pressure from above and pressure from below. One was the propaganda of the movie and the uh, movie and the film industry saying how cool it is and making the drug dealers heroes. And now the pressure from above is coming down with the media, the news media telling how terrible crack is and how it's basically turning neighborhoods into war zones so so this is this is by plan i believe this is this is my hypothesis uh let's get you want to say something no i'm i'm just
0: shaking my head
14: yeah (laughs) so let's get into crime uh 4.2 A woman who allegedly smoked crack cocaine just hours before giving birth has been charged with giving the drug to her unborn child. Kimberly Hardy of Muskegon, Michigan, faces charges of second-degree child abuse and delivering cocaine. She could be sentenced to 24 years in prison. Ten similar cases have gone to trial in the United States this year. Only one ended with a conviction.
1: So you, the outrageous building you mm-hmm. have kids being killed now you have the the uh famous crack baby. Yes. Which crack babies is a real thing and it's something that's very little talked about because if you think about it where do they go? Where where did where did the crack babies go? They just kind of blending into society. Is this where this crime? I'm asking out. I'm asking a, a rhetorical question because I don't have an answer for
0: it. Well, I think the, but, the child protective services has a big role in this, and uh, mm-hmm. and not a positive one. Do you uh,
1: have Ritalin because these kids were born addicted to drugs.
0: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Have yeah. The
1: pharmaceutical industry.
0: They were peddling, they were basically, basically with- they were basically customers who were customers right out of the womb. Fuck. But my
1: further question is, where are they now? These are kids at my age. They're probably doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's nobody answers that question. Uh, you know, nobody nobody has an answer for that question. No, it's a,
0: and it's a good question because you'd almost you could you could easily put together a special. You know, these were the crack babies. I I don't know if they're alive, man.
1: Are they parents? Because you think about it. I was born in 80. These children were born 85 to 95, let's say. That was like the huge crack era. Yeah. Those kids are 35 to 30 years old. Yeah. So they could easily have children 15, 10 to 15 years old or younger. Mm -hmm. Is this crime we're seeing in the streets now the second generation of crack babies?
0: it's a good question it's 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 it's, it's worth looking at i don't know i mean it i i I just wonder how many crack babies actually survive to go on to lead productive lives
1: that yeah being riddled with uh with the addiction such as that is yeah but as we have the narrative growing we we, it's the the slow drum beat you see what's going on we have crime we need to do something about it and let's continue with crime three point four point three
7: In Kansas City, Missouri, police are investigating the shooting death of an 11-year-old boy at a suspected drug house. Frederick Jones had lived in the house up until a month ago. He went back with his sister Saturday night to get some belongings. As he opened the door, he was shot dead. A 14-year-old boy has been arrested, but other children in the neighborhood are still frightened.
13: I feel sad, and I will stay in the house, stay in the house. I don't want to get shot. The world is not going
7: right after all. God might take care of him if he goes up to heaven. Police think Jones may have been shot simply because he didn't identify himself at the door.
0: By the way, um, Crack Babies uh, is a new name these days. What's that? Neonatal abstinence syndrome.
1: <laughs> that must be for the. uh, Is that for crack babies or opioid babies?
0: Ed describes a newborn that has been exposed in utero to harmful drugs or alcohol.
1: Isn't that? Isn't that how uh, amazing how they come up with a politically correct scientific name? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Neonatal abstinence syndrome. Really, crack baby. Jeez. That's it. That's, you know, George Carlin does a bit about that. It used to be called, he came back from war and he was shell shocked. Uh huh. And now it's, you know, post traumatic stress disorder.
1: So it's all about the narrative and the names that they use and um, the narratives. So I can't. once again, the drum beat is growing and I'm going somewhere with this. I hear I'm, you. I'm headed somewhere with it just for people that's wondering. But cr- Crime 4.4.
8: 4. They're the youngest victims of the drug crisis, the children of addicts, those born addicted or those suffering maltreatment and neglect in cracked households. Last month in Detroit, a court case offered one of the most shocking examples of how a child can suffer from a parent's addiction. A 30-year-old woman, Susan Barber, was sentenced for turning her 13-year-old daughter over to a man to be raped in return for a supply of crack.
5: Your actions in this case were reprehensible. The act
6: in itself is terrible.
18: But when it occurs in this fashion between a mother and a child, as I've indicated it, it exceeds all bounds of decency.
17: Mm.
1: So there was... We have this steady drum beat of crime, crime, crime affect the community. And people in the community wanted answers. People in the community wanted action. Because these are their children being shot. These are their grandchildren being born to uh dependent to drugs. Uh another common thing I noticed when I was of that age, a lot of grandparents would have to raise their grandchildren.
0: Yes. So you have
1: that. a single old lady. I was 50 60s years old with a newborn baby yeah this was a common occur i mean this was very common uh, a lot of my grandmother's friends had to take on their um uh, their grandchildren due to this epidemic
0: now i'm sure people were clued into what was going on did they not see the systemic nature of this or was it just so vast and and so overwhelming that there really was no you couldn't see the forest through the trees i guess it's you like,
1: took the words right out my mouth I was going to okay. use that same All analogy right. All right. it happened so fast that you were like it's like being dropped off in the forest you didn't walk into the forest it's like somebody just dropped like, you into
0: it you're there got it
1: and you look around it's just like everything is changing uh, this is when you hear you, like and I'm referring to my grandparents a lot but this was the difference in generation they grew up where you didn't have to lock your doors at night mm. Now you start to see the bars go on the windows. Yeah, it, it be, it, These neighborhoods literally became prisons because you were living in households with bars on the doors and bars on the windows and three to four locks on your doors. Yeah. But there was one death. There was one death that brought this whole thing to a climax. Uh, and it's covered by the historic controversies with uh, Chris Calton.
12: On June 18th, 1986, a young basketball player named Lynn Bias was celebrating. The Boston Celtics had recently selected him as their first-round draft pick, and Reebok offered him a multi-million dollar deal. Even before he played in the NBA, he was a national star. That night, he went to lie down, saying he didn't feel well, and he never woke up. At 8.55 in the morning on June 19th, He was pronounced dead from heart failure. The autopsy revealed that there was cocaine in his system, and the ramifications from this would be enormous. Now, it's worth clarifying here that the medical examiners did attribute the cocaine to his death. I've heard some people argue that they never concluded that cocaine was the cause of his death, only that it was in a system. But the medical examiners did conclude that cocaine overdose was the cause of death. However, the media and the government jumped on a few things about the story that are under dispute. One is that Lynn Bias was smoking crack. Mm. In reality, they don't know how he consumed the cocaine, but it probably wasn't crack. One report speculated he could have smoked freebie cocaine, though that wasn't really popular in 1986, but others said he either snorted it or swallowed it in a drink. Nobody knows exactly how he consumed the cocaine, but I personally remember being taught in school that he smoked crack and his death occurred right after crack was starting to make national news. So it was a convenient narrative to jump on.
0: Oh, yeah. Is this where um, Nancy jumps in? Nancy uh, Reagan. Reagan. Is this where the war on drugs
1: came in? This is where the war on drugs starts to begin. So, Lynn Bias, Mm -hmm. just for reference, I want to give people... Have you heard of Lynn Bias? Yes, yes, I have, yes. I'm I'm sure you have, but just to give people a reference of Lynn Bias, imagine LeBron James, when he first got drafted and before he even plays in the NBA, dies of a crack overdose. He was the equivalent of what a LeBron James is now before he became super famous, but... The potential. Oh yeah. I mean, this guy was amazing. I mean, he was. Oh, he's gonna be better than Jordan. Uh, because they came out came out about the same time out of college, and that was the comparison. And then boom, no. he was wake up more one morning. He's dead. Yeah. And he, and and the story is he smoked crack for the first time, and he's dead.
0: Hmm. So and, so of course we we aren't we aren't intended to know what really happened because a narrative was created and that's it. And actually, As, it's I'm reading here now, the Lend Bias Law. There you yes. go. There you go. Let's get into part two.
12: The primary reason that it was reported that he used cocaine for the first time was that the media and the government had already been cultivating an image of cocaine use that it was instantly addictive. So using cocaine and crack one time could make you completely addicted. I also remember being taught this when I was younger, but it's completely untrue. That narrative about cocaine addiction is an absolute fabrication. Part of the reason it was easy to spread this narrative in the case of Lynn Bias is because prior to his overdose, the media was presenting him as this squeaky clean kid from a good family. So they just concluded that this must have been his first time using cocaine. Regardless of the actual specific circumstances of Lynn Bias's death, this was the exact kind of catastrophe the government couldn't let go to waste. On the morning that his death was reported in the press, Lynn Bias was all anybody could talk about in Congress. Tip O'Neill, the Democratic representative of Boston, who was the Speaker of the House at the time, was screaming for blood. There had better be some anti-cocaine legislation, and it had better not be something that the Republicans could take sole credit for. With the death of Lynn Bias, the cocaine scare of the nineteen eighties had reached its apogee. Hmm.
1: And This is where everything changed.
12: Yes.
1: (laughs) Now you see what I'm talking about, the pressure from above, pressure from below. They needed a narrative. Uh, But before we continue on, I think it's a great time to take a
0: pause. I I like Uh, new money. I don't know if you do, but I I hate old money that's wrinkled. Is this what the pause
14: you were looking for? Yes, this is the pause you can continue (laughs) on. I got all the diseases on it. I like new money. And when I give... um, when I give things to people, I like to give stacks of money. It's fun. You ever had a stack of new money? <laughs> have you? You have it? Have you? A little stack. A little? Oh. <laughs> and so I, I I made,
10: you know, the big stack where it was brand new. And I like brand new money. I just, I don't want any money around me Is not...
14: I'd almost rather have a, a new one than a brand than an old 20. Now, that's kind of dumb. Isn't it? But there's something about new money that excites you. You like $100 bills? Oh, yeah. I like oh. new money, too. Oh. Most beautiful thing on earth is a $100 bill. I ain't not seen a woman as good-looking as a $100 bill. There's something about a $100 bill that excites
0: you. That's right, everybody. It's uh, time for Racks and Stacks. <laughs> uh this is a uh a show that is done completely under the value for value system uh which means it's free for everybody to download listen to subscribe to any way you want to do it it's all good uh anywhere anyhow there's never a charge there's also zero commercial money corporate money no advertising at all for the simple reason that well guess I have a feeling a show like this wouldn't go over too well with a lot of advertisers, <laughs> any advertisers, quite frankly, because you just can't discuss things freely and openly. So we need to resort to asking you if you find this valuable. I know, I think I know where this is going. So mm-hmm. um, I think that uh, people will be incredibly blown away by the uh, the crescendo of this particular show. And it typically is very valuable to people i'm here learning a lot and i hope that you are if it's of any value just turn that into some numbers as many ways to um to send us uh, some money Uh, you just go to mofax.com the donation page we have a direct link uh, mofundme.com and uh, just uh, let us know what you think Uh, we'd love to hear if you have any uh any comments any feedback and we like to Uh, celebrate the people who support the program and we'll start with our um we have one executive producer and one associate executive producer uh in our although it's kind of you know both on the edge there i'm bumping them up a little bit the first one is sir Flynot from no agenda and uh, we're familiar with this name Uh, he has a little note here and he donated 199 dollars and 80 cents i'm not sure exactly am i supposed to know what this number means
1: I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) I like it, though. Let's see what he says. Uh, Mo and Adam, I moved to New England after 19 years in Chapel Hill, right down the road from Mo back in the day. Uh, Mm -hmm. My wife taught in Durham schools. Your conversation about race and culture are important and a real public service. Please keep it up. I'm a white guy who grew up with with close black friends and have now lived all over the world. The conversations you promote with others make the U.S. and the rest of the world a better place. You arm your listeners with tools to diffuse the weaponization of race and culture to benefit the elite at the cost of friendships and relationships. Please keep it up. Thank you, Sir Flynot. I think he's nailing it with that analysis. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people get a huge benefit. I'm sorry. What you want to say? No, I was totally agreeing with that. It's, it's so... Um, I mean, everybody I speak to... Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if they listen to No Agenda or not. They're like, this is the show you've got to listen to. My daughter is now tuned in. She's completely loving it. And Timothy Kiernan also loves the show, and he donated $100 for today. He'll be our associate executive producer. And credit as such, in the show notes, mofax.com. Uh, and he says, hi, Mo and Adam, this is my second donation to MoFax because I appreciate the value you create the first MoFax with Adam Curry show meetup went very well this past Thursday in Michigan. Wait a minute. There was a meetup?
5: <laughs> meet
0: meet <laughs> Did they have a cutout of us? <laughs> Did we have heads on sticks? Oh, that's fantastic. I didn't even know that. Um, How cool was that? <laughs> I love that. Uh, we had good attendance. I've attached a photo of the proceedings as proof, and we had several attendees who had never listened to MoFax, and they promised to try it. Note the samplers on the table with, uh, oh, that's right, with which we, who already listened, jokingly referred to as <laughs> DVDs of color. <laughs> color DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, warm regards, Sir Timothy. Uh, of course, he is, uh, he is a, a knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. He actually sent me a picture of that. I love seeing that. That's a collector's item. If you got one of that those, cool. hold on to that it. That was cool, yeah. Very nice. Um, then we have thank you, uh, Sir Timothy, Brian Burgess, fifty seven dollars. Excellent show, guys. So happy you're doing it. Proud to be a producer. Yes, thank you. We're proud you are producer. Zoe says, uh, "I'm your favorite NASA scientist." Adam, don't hate. Okay, <laughs> I won't. I promise. We got nice NASA scientists on the. Uh, yeah, on the list. yeah, I love it. Cyrus esau i think is how i pronounce it fifty dollars uh petros volukos fifty dollars as well kenneth barnhouse 50 seems to be the sweet pot sweet spot and i like that and i think it's partially because uh have we explained the value for value model is if you are going to a movie this weekend or you take a date you have uh, some popcorn got a drink it's 50 bucks did you enjoy that as much as you enjoyed this show are we worth the same and it seems so and Not bad for the budget we've got compared to some of the Hollywood blockbusters. Very proud of that. John Knowles, uh, $50. Great podcast. Look forward to every episode. Kenneth Barnhouse, $50. Jennifer Rudiger, keep up the awesome work. Fifty dollars as well. Uh, Fernando de los Reyes, thirty-three, thirty-three. That is the magic number. Chris Kincaid, twenty-five. From him, love the show. From Sir Han, shot first. William Bullock, love your YouTube videos. I'm binge watching, so I can catch. uh, Wait a minute. I am love your YouTube videos. I am. I think he means binge watching, so I can catch up. I'm from Pine Top, North Carolina, but now living in Arizona. All right. Uh, Drew McArdle in the morning, gentlemen. Thank you, Mo and Adam, for your courage. Mo Karma for the that's a good one. We, we gotta <laughs> use that. Mo Karma for the show's continued success. Yes. Yeah, so I'm gonna write that down, Mo. It's a good one, Mo Karma. Um Shazier, $15. Thank you very much. Robert Sandoval, $15. Randall Curry uh no relation as far as i know but uh, randall says as it's been said before the value of this show far exceeds what i can donate i hope uh, this helps to keep the lights on yes uh randy definitely Uh, then we have anonymous one two three four we have ken uh value for value for good luck with eleven dollars and eleven cents magic numbers anonymous uh a dutch anonymous millennial says, please keep me anonymous, $10.33. Some value for value from a Dutch millennial, although the subject matter that you discussed lies far away from my daily reality. I thoroughly enjoy listening and learning to pay attention to see the truth reveal itself. And um, he doesn't want his name mentioned, but he does consider himself a producer, and you are. $10 from Clinton. Thank you all for your courage. John Taylor, $10. Thank you. Matthew K., your show is outstanding. I cannot see it go unrewarded episode episode 19 block the vote was incredibly illuminating $10 from Matthew thank you Matt Fuzell thank you for your courage Elvis Rosenberg uh sends $5 with the respect James Chapko $5 James Moran also 5 pay attention to everything especially this it says set up a weekly a week, weekly or monthly subscription fee yes that's yeah, a very good idea yeah we have to do that we have to do that we got to set that and you can set up on the PayPal you, you can get that going for us mo yeah. yes because you're in charge of that oh <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> and finally rounding, rounding out the list with another magic number three dollars and 33 cents david hutchinson these are the producers of episode 28 of mo facts with adam curry you are the ones that are making it happen along of course with uh with mo and myself and um we're really building something here can be very proud and really appreciate everybody's support. And if you want to support us for the next show, all you do is go to mofax.com or direct to our donation page mofundme.com. And thank you all very much. Thank you very much. All right. Back to well, we're getting ready to to blow it out here. All right. So, now we're at the max point of attention
1: for this with the death of limb bias and I want to bring in another throwback clip, and this is from the series Rock that was on Fox. And this is from the episode Nightmare on uh, Emerson Street.
15: I got a nice little thing going across the street. You understand? And I don't need somebody like you messing things up with your little phone calls to the police and your stupid ass block parties. This ain't none of your damn business, man. You understand? I'm trying to get paid. You understand? And I don't need you but into my affairs. I thought this was a nice neighborhood, man. Yeah, it was a nice neighborhood. It's always been a nice neighborhood. Yeah, well, I hear what you're saying, brother. But I'm a businessman, you know what I mean? You're a businessman? That's right. Is that what you call yourself? You ain't no businessman. You're a murderer. And you're killing your own people. Now, you may have done your killing someplace else, but it ain't happening here. I don't think I made myself clear. I don't want your drugs... I don't want your money. I want your sorry ass out of my house and off my street. You understand? Okay, well, Now you gotta stop this now. Stay out of this, Ellen. I don't home. think you wanna do this, G. Oh, yeah, I've been wanting to do this ever since you moved. No, I don't think you wanna find one of these loved ones of yours in one of those garbage cans you picked. If you
0: ever so much as look in that direction, I'll run down on you and I'll break
10: your back. Don't hurt You don't know how crazy I am.
0: That was uh, Charles, uh, is it Charles Dutton? yeah charles S. dutton yes yeah I, I i remember this show i remember, it was it was very good actually fantastic
1: fantastic show, and they actually did several of the uh 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 years uh live um what? they would do it live
0: oh, i think i remember that.
1: So it had Jamie Fox and a lot. Yeah, of... It was, it was,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, this is, it was a weird. I was, you know, I was transitioning into uh, Internet Man from MTV Guy. So you know, there was a lot uh-huh. going on. But I do remember this. Oh yeah,
1: huh? And the reason why I played this is to show the frustration of the people living in the neighborhoods because this was happening in real time. He was making this show as what was going on in the city of Baltimore. It's, so he
0: was, it's amazing that he was allowed to do that, that they put it on the air.
1: It was. And it's amazing that we don't have any more shows like that. <laughs> yeah. on huh, television. Huh, huh, I wonder what it, that is. It's, we're regressing. How how how, how weird. Uh, no kidding. But it showed the frustration of the citizens living in the neighborhood. They were being held hostage. They couldn't walk up and down their streets. Their uh, communities were becoming uh, war zones. And they turned to their boule politicians, and I think I explained this on the last show. And that was really the genesis and the motivation for making this show. They said we have to do something in this community. My kids can't walk down the street; kids are getting hit by uh, random bullets. Uh, my property is being uh, vandalized and burglarized by crack addicts. You have to do something. And those boule politicians. Their solution was the 94 crown bill.
13: So 25 years after the 1994 crime bill was enacted, we are still having conversations about the import and significance of the bill. That 1994
8: crime bill, um, it it did contribute to mass incarceration in our country.
13: It's important that people remember the context of the political environment in the early
14: 1990s. The other big piece of legislation on Capitol Hill tonight is the crime bill.
13: Now, violent crime peaked in 1991. And the drafters of the bill didn't know that in 1993 and 1994 when they were drafting and signing it. Urban areas, urban cities across the country were ravaged by crack cocaine and Americans were afraid of crime. The 1994 crime bill was signed by President Bill Clinton. You know, this was a pretty significant bill at the time and President Clinton and Senator Biden at the time uh, were right that the bill was significant. The
14: most significant federal effort to deal with violent crime in America that has ever been undertaken. It
13: was important for a Democrat at the time to be seen as taking a significant role in trying to reduce crime and violence in the United States.
0: I don't know how deep we're going to go into uh, into the crime bill itself, but... Uh Nothing bothers me more in today's um, in today's politics, in particular, you know, with Super Tuesday and uh, South Carolina, this the the Joe Biden's relationship to the 94. uh, Actually, the full title was Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act Mm -hmm. is always like, well, yeah, you know, yes, I was part of that. No, he wrote this. Joe Biden wrote this bill. I know it. No one brings I don't see any black people on television saying those words. Joe Biden wrote that bill. Not not involved. No, wrote. It. He wrote it.
1: Well, am sir, I, am you I? have to listen to you have to <laughs> listen to black podcasts, the new what, what is termed the new black media. These, this is the only people that's going to hold him responsible because the establishment Democrats, the boule politicians, they won't do it. Are going to protect? They're going to protect Joe Biden, as you saw with uh Jim Kleinberg, Klein, Kleinberg, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, in South Carolina. He just wrote off all of Joe's sins. It's like, oh, oh now, Joe's
0: great. Now, on black Twitter, black, black podcast, which I think is a different app. i got to figure out what I need to download. <laughs> um, is, is this being said this clearly? Is, I mean, yes. well, well, how about how about <laughs> Is he being taken to task? Because I, yes. I, I think his endorsement of Biden made it happen. He's the biggest butter biscuit eater there is. And the next question is, um, why are people's memories so flawed? Or is, is it what is going on that a single African-American comes out, a single person from the poor neighborhood of this era? Maybe that's more fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, where, where's the outrage? Is it just being completely suppressed because the media is not doing anything? Crown Bill 2.
13: And at the time, the Congressional Black Caucus was part of the debate around the crime bill. And the Congressional Black Caucus didn't want every provision that was included in this bill. It became clear that the provisions in the 94 crime bill um, were going to be a political compromise. And so the history is much more complicated than is sometimes portrayed by the media. Now, what did the bill do? Just like a lot of political compromises, There was the good and there was the bad. For example, the bill eliminated 19 types of semi-automatic assault weapons. It also provided huge amounts of funding to hire cops. 100,000 cops were funded. It was about $14 million at the time for community policing. The bill also enacted the Violence Against Women Act that provided funding to protect women and victims of domestic violence and crimes against women. The most pernicious provision of the 1994 crime bill was its $12 billion that was authorized for states across the country that would enact what's called truth in sentencing laws. That funding literally paid states to increase the number of prison beds that they allocated for individuals convicted of violent crime in this country to serve 85% of their sentences behind bars. The reason that provision is so important and the reason we're still talking about it today is the federal government essentially subsidized states across the country to build more prisons.
0: Yeah, and I think it was I think it was more than eighteen billion. I I, I recall it being more. And this this of course spawned the um cops the community oriented policing services that uh-huh. i mean it, that was the acronym and, and, and mass incarceration of course of course and and so, and death penalty 60 new death penalties including uh, uh drug offenses it was nuts
1: now that clip was loaded with a lot of stuff so we might need to go back and maybe listen to and uh, again i don't know but one thing you asked, you said, why is nobody pointing the fingers in, in the mainstream? Yeah. Why is nobody pointing fingers at Joe Biden? Well, if you were a member of the Black Caucus at that time, if you point fingers at Joe Biden, do you point fingers at yourself?
0: Yes, because they were clearly involved.
1: They were, they were asking for it. Yep. We got to do something. Uh, now, I want to go back just a little bit. It, and that's why I played the... Throwback clip: uh, Broken families lead to to the streets. The reason why I play that is that gentleman that was interacting with those kids was a police officer. Mm-hmm. And if you use police officers, police officers from the community, then they have empathy and sympathy for the people they're trying to police. Sure, but if you go and mass hire policemen from outside the community. And you weaponize them with military Militarized, gear, yep
2: that, yep, can, yep, yep, yep
1: that can tear doors off, and then you turn around on top of that and build twelve billion dollars worth of new prison beds. <laughs> Who's going to fill those
0: beds? And and people who listen to this show, you, you need to you need to um, tell people to listen to this podcast. <laughs> you really do because the way it is passed off, it's so it's embarrassing. Well, that was yeah, that wasn't good. Fuck wasn't good it was atrocious it was complicated
1: it, that's the that's the term and this oh yeah problem
0: no it was problematic
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's the, the, term. the term the term this uh, reporter used was it was complicated
0: complicated Compl- yeah
1: now if you're a, a politician that made it to the uh national level of politics somebody says we're going to build 12 billion dollars worth of p- new prisons first of all you ask who are you going to put in those prisons I mean, empty prisons don't make any money, and they don't serve any purpose. So obviously, you have an idea to lock people up, but then on top of that, they're going to have to serve eighty-five percent of their um, of their sentence. So now we're not only going to fill the beds, but we're going to ensure they stay
0: filled. But also, the the prisons were commercial uh, enterprises. This is <laughs> the uh, correctional was it corrections corporation of america i think it's cca and it it, it even came up in a debate the other day that uh, tom steyer had actually purchased one of these commercial prison uh, companies and i guess once he decided to run against orange man bad he's like oh i have to sell that that's no good what a bunch of hypocrite douchebags unbelievable
1: and and a lot of these boulet saw a great investment opportunity Yes. It's like I can take this money. I mean it was political capital and real capital because I could take this money. They were gonna build new prisons, I can and they become investments, I can invest in them. I pretty much do what my constituents want by cleaning up the streets, but not realizing whether they ignored it or didn't truly didn't realize it, that you're gonna be locking up your constituents' kids. Yeah. and grandkids yeah, yeah, and nephews and nieces and you know so yeah but this this was all one big plan and now they try to cover up for it because a lot of them have dirt on their hands and now, when you start i'm sorry i'm sorry letters, i'm
0: sorry let me start let me just yeah. interrupt the plan mm-hmm. you say it was one big plan but it was really the black caucus uh that pushed for it correct what they have no power. Right. But they wanted it. They, they, they started. The, did they start the conversation? Did they start it? It was like, we need this. We need this. Or where did, did do we know the real genesis? The, the conversation came from the citizens living in the
1: community saying you yeah. need to do something. Right. The problem wasn't that there was a solution. The problem was the solution they chose. It wasn't community policing. It wasn't. uh how they're handling the opioid addiction now no, with, they said uh, let's let's
0: uh, let's throw 30 billion dollars at this and let's uh, get some uh, basically uh, uh rent-a-cops you know hire you know uh, what's the what's the analogy I'm looking for like the mercenaries
1: yeah they were mercenaries and and like I said they were really militarized because yeah. in the first clip I believed the guy said if you've ever seen the open clip of straight out of Compton yeah it was a tank that had tanks that could rip bars off of yep. windows yep.
2: and yep. Yep. bust
1: in doors. And it's like, bad enough, and this is a term everybody wants to talk about, post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome. Now imagine, you live in a neighborhood where gangs are trying to kill you. safe. if you're straight, if it's me. Just put me in that community. I just want to go to school and get an education You know, say I have a better life. I have to make it past the gang members who's trying to recruit me. Uh, I had to make it past the crackheads who's trying to rob me, kill me. And now I have to worry about stopping and and these sort of, uh, militaristic, uh, policing practices of being thrown against the wall and copy a Xerox. Is Cause it, you look like
0: the, <laughs> well, did, you look like the, uh, uh the, 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 perp. I know your situation was different. Did mm-hmm. you feel any of that to, to a degree? To a degree.
1: Yes. And and the thing was, here's here's the crazy thing, us as kids, we dressed like the problem, yeah. we acted like the problem, yes. we
0: talked like the well, problem. Y- well, that's what you were being conditioned to do, of course, through the through through the, the entertainment. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Through the propaganda, so now it's like <clears throat> Here, all here's all what I, shit, don't like, Whoa, 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 I don't understand, Mo. Mo, I don't understand. We've yes. done the, the United States government, the boule. They've done so. Much work. How come you guys are still around? I can't believe they didn't get rid of all of you. <laughs> Very resilient, my friend. Holy crap. It, this, this is the story of our lives. Yes. I mean, you can't
1: take us off. I yes. mean, like, if you see of the life of this show, from episode one to now, throughout history, there's been a, a concerted effort to take us out. Can, can we agree to that at least? Yeah, at least. but it's so dumb. It
0: just—I don't understand. Well, there I, has to be a bottom. Yeah, we—that was one of our first shows actually about yeah. the bottom. You're so yeah. There's got you have to have a bottom. Tag your it. You have nice. To
1: have a bottom. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a bottom. Yeah. And when you do it on color, uh, it makes it very easy to identify who the bottom is. But. I want to get more into this 94 crime bill sure. uh, that was passed under Bill Clinton.
8: 22 years ago, the country divided over a controversial, far-fetching anti-crime bill brought to Congress by former President Bill Clinton.
0: Hold on, what do you mean the country divided? There was no division. Yeah, uh, uh, poor people, black people, they were against it. But there was no division. I, I'm sorry. I, I was around. I don't remember that. I don't remember any division like that. I mean, okay.
8: Critics blame the law for record-breaking incarceration rates and with further devastating poor communities. Well, just last week, President Clinton, as you know, was interrupted by Black Lives Matters protesters upset about the 1994 crime law. Though the president admitted a year ago that the law jailed too many for too long while speaking at a convention for the NAACP. Clinton supported her husband signing the law when she was first lady. In recent days, the former Secretary of State has been trying to clarify her husband's remarks on the law without trying to denounce them. Now, Bernie Sanders, along with 187 Democrats, voted for the bill in 1994, and he is now criticizing President Clinton, saying that he needed to apologize to the American people. Joining me now is Congressman Bobby Rush, who voted in favor of the crime bill in 1994. He has endorsed Hillary Clinton. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us.
18: Tamron, it's my pleasure.
8: It always is great to talk to you. Let's put some perspective on what was happening. You were there 22 years ago. Do you believe the way the crime bill is being described now versus what was happening on the ground in some of that video, is it matching here?
1: Well, before we let Bobby uh, answer, <laughs> yeah, the, another reason why I made this show they're gonna to try to rewrite history again. With I mean you pointed it out with Joe Biden. Sure. These clips I've taken here on the Crown Bill was from the two thousand sixteen cycle when yes. they were whitewashing, uh no pun intended, uh Hillary. The Clint, uh, Hillary sins. Yeah. It, you know, it was well, it was the country was divided and it was it's difficult and you know, what can oh, we do? We can't yes. foresee this. <laughs> They're gonna do the same thing again and Everybody wants to point the finger at Joe Biden. Rightfully so, but Bernie Bernie Sanders Sanders is right up there. Oh yeah, voted for this. Oh Bernie, Bernie, you couldn't see. I mean, you're you're a socialist. I (laughs) mean, you you should be against the government. You know.
0: Yes, but the Schwarzer children are the problem. (laughs) Sorry, right? Little little uh, little interracial uh, interfaith humor there. Yeah. So
1: I'm I'm making this clear so everybody can see everybody has a little dirt on their hands the black caucus bernie sanders uh joe biden hillary clinton uh you go down the list
0: well hold on i i want to put your 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 black actors etc in that as well they they are also complicit yeah they were trying to make a dollar but a lot of harm was done
1: oh of course i mean the musicians and we're going to get there too but um, let, let's let
18: Bobby uh, explain why he voted for the crime bill. Chairman, let me start out with this. I am ashamed of my vote. I sincerely apologize to my God, I apologize to my community, to my family. That was the worst vote as I look back over the years that I've taken since I've been in in the Congress. It was a vote that really was accompanied with a lot of hope. That we will finally be able to deal with not only the issue of crime in our community, devastating crime, but then we would also be able to do those things and have those programs and policies to deal with the other kinds of issues, the other problems in our community. And what happened with the crime bill and its implementation was that there was too much of a focus, too many resources on locking them up, but no resources on love and compassion and as a result we have devastated our communities devastated our families devastated our futures
1: so there yeah. you have it oh yes. we didn't know what was going to happen we we didn't know what happened if you build 12 billion dollars worth of new prisons uh seriously really
2: <laughs> no,
0: nah, really, it's, it's
1: such bull crap. You you're not that smart and that dumb at the same time. You you just can't be. No, but we're looking at it from a political standpoint of uh, the wrongdoings. It goes deeper than that, uh, of course. And we're gonna go there. <laughs> uh, in going back to the movie New Jack City, there was a scene, a court scene, where Nino Brown. And All the bad that he done Let some truth out You're the one who's guilty
15: Lawmakers, the politicians The Colombian drug lords All you who lobby against making drugs legal Just like you did with alcohol During the prohibition You're the one who's guilty I mean, come on Let's kick the ballistics here Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem I mean, not one of us in here Owns a poppy field This thing is bigger than Nino Brown. This is big business. This is the American way. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
0: the business (laughs) of America is business. And now I'm sure we go to exactly how it all came about. Yes, we do. And we're
1: going to let one Mr. Gary Webb in a throwback clip explain it in his own words.
6: My name is Gary Webb. I am an investigative journalist. I've been an investigative journalist for about 25 years for daily newspapers. And in 1996, I wrote a series of stories entitled Dark Alliance, uh, which was about CIA involvement in drug trafficking. What my story showed was that The cocaine that was being sold in those neighborhoods uh, was coming from mainly one source, and this one source was being used to finance a guerrilla war in in Central America. The general idea of the CIA dealing drugs um, was something that the American mainstream press had never written about before, and that's why it prompted outrage among blacks, among drug reform activists among uh, politicians by the cia by every federal agency involved in the drug war because it showed they weren't doing their jobs that it was a fraud yes this is a very
0: uh one of my favorite stories mm-hmm. uh, of gary webb a true hero in reporting this in the mercury news um and a, a running joke that we've had on no agenda is uh you know, the, careful, or you wind up shooting yourself in the head twice. And that's literally uh, what uh, the cause of death has been recorded as. Uh, two gunshots to the head, a suicide. Mm-hmm. Which is just so... I think the gun was in his in his <laughs> left hand, too. It is so incredibly hard to do that. Um, which, of course, means he was taken out. But, yeah, Gary Webb really blew this wide open.
1: And, and we... For the ones that done the investigation on this topic, we've heard about the role of Reagan and Bush and Oliver North and the people of that of of that nature. Mm -hmm. And a little, little known fact here. We've known Compton, California, was one of the epicenters of the crack cocaine. And I remember hearing this as a teenager that, yeah, the CIA showed, uh, showed uh, the gangs how to cook up crack. In 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 Compton.
17: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, in South Central LA. Well, here's a little did you know? Uh well Richard Nixon, he grew up in uh Yorba Lindy's uh Citrus Ranch. Ronald Reagan spent time in Bel Air. But you did you know the bushes was straight out of Compton?
0: The bushes?
1: Yes. No, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> this is from Giz Gizmodo. It says, actually, the Bush family only called Los Angeles County suburb home for six short months in 1949 to 1950. Uh, George H.W. Bush, the uh, future 41st president of the United States, was on a temporary assignment in California for the dressing industry selling oil drill bits for the uh, dresser subsidiary name Security Engineering Company. Huh. Now, huh. Some, the the future CIA, head of the CIA, and the CIA was known for <laughs> uh, their role in the Iran-Contra scandal and the uh, proliferation of the crack epidemic, happened to live in Compton, California. And that's where one of the epicenters of the crack era uh, started it i didn't know just- that i you know
0: because you 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 think of compton all you think of is you know is straight out of compton literally you know those are the images that come up in your head i didn't i i didn't know this but i'm looking at it,
1: it due to white flight it was a white um, community <sighs> but it became uh majority black and then all of a sudden this is where uh Crack started. I mean, it's like one of the birthplaces of crack cocaine. How's Fantastic. that work
0: out? Fantastic. But
1: that's just a coincidence. Yeah. But uh, of course. <laughs> but another epicenter of the crack epidemic is uh, Mina Arkansas.
10: On October the 7th, 1994, Sarah McClendon, the senior White House news correspondent who has covered 11 presidential administrations, beginning with that of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, demonstrated once again that she has the courage to ask the hardball questions other journalists only dare to think. As she confronted William Jefferson Clinton about the Central Intelligence Agency's involvement in nefarious activities, activities set at a remote airport in western Arkansas while Clinton was Arkansas's commander in chief. She finally cornered the man who was a co conspirator in bypassing the Constitution of the United States of America. In doing so, the president was not only forced to address the looming scandal that may impeach him, Clinton
0: once again demonstrated his trademark talent. He lied. Yeah, and what is kind of interesting is, you know, if you follow the entertainment track of this, of course, Tom Cruise just uh, did a movie about Mina, Arkansas. Which uh, mm-hmm. he had to change the name <laughs> yeah it, but it was also missing some key elements like i don't know bill clinton <laughs> the bushes oh yeah now it's <laughs> it, yeah people don't really know this but it's like here's how you here's how you set the narrative but here's also how you um polish off all the old crap you know you just make a movie about it bring in the top guns to, to coin a phrase <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and focus it on, uh, Barry, uh, was it Barry Sh- Sands? Barry Shields, I think his name was, the, the pilot, yeah. and make it all yes. about him and, you know, and, and just completely get rid of all of the history. And lo and behold, the history goes away. Except for on this show. It,
1: doesn't that sound very similar to how they rewrote history with American Gangster and well, having Frank yeah. Lucas be the face of all <laughs> heroin in the 1970s in, in America?
0: You know, the pen, the Pentagon um, and CIA have offices in Hollywood. So, yes, of course. Of course, it's how you do it.
1: So what I'm listening to Miss uh, Sarah McClendon. asks Bill Clinton about his uh, meaning connection.
8: Sir, uh, the Republicans are trying to blame you for the existence of a small air base at Mena, Arkansas. This base was set up by George Bush and Oliver North and uh, the CIA to help the Iran countries. And they brought in plane load after plane load of cocaine there for sale in the United States. And then they took the money and bought weapons and took them back to the Contras, all of which was illegal, as you know, under the Boland Act. But tell me, did they tell you that this had to be in existence because of national security?
14: Well, let me answer the question. No, they didn't tell me anything about it. They didn't say anything to me about it. (laughs) That is what, by the
0: way, that's what we call a performative, where (laughs) you're going to say something. Well, let me say this about that. Or let me answer the question. doesn't mean you give an answer.
6: The
14: airport in question and all the events in question were the subject of state and federal inquiries. It was primarily a matter for federal jurisdiction. The state really had next to nothing to do with it. The local prosecutor did conduct an investigation based on what was within the jurisdiction of state law. The rest of it was under jurisdiction of the United States attorneys who were appointed successively by previous administrations. We had nothing, zero, to do with it, and everybody who's ever looked into it knows that.
0: Bullshit. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Did you hear answer? Yeah,
1: I no, didn't hear answer. I heard not. a bunch
0: of <laughs> Of course not. Let me answer that. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's giving an answer. <laughs> not at all. No. And this is this is this lady Sarah McClendon, Like
1: you said, she served under 11, 11 administrations. She's no lightweight.
0: No, no kidding.
1: For her to ask that question, it had to be serious smoke there. But. As you why is this not being brought up and why was this not brought up in the 2016 election? Why was this not being brought
0: up now? <laughs> well, uh, it was definitely it's been discussed, but not in mm-hmm. the mainstream. No, of course not. No. And it's a lot of people
1: this thing. And we one thing I didn't I didn't want to clip it, but uh, Maxine Waters, she had. She held a, a hearing in Congress on this very topic. Oh really? But now all of a sudden she had, yeah, <laughs> she has, uh, she has a, um, she, her memory is slipping her now.
2: Uh, uh, I
1: don't remember. It. Go, go look it up. Maxine Waters. Uh, and it was not really anything clippable because it was like long drawn out answers, but yeah, Maxine Waters, she knew what was going on. <laughs> uh, but, and, and let's not forget, uh, Barry, uh, Barry O. He
2: yes. was,
1: he was in his book. He confessed to selling drugs. And we've covered his connection with the
2: CIA.
1: Mm -hmm. All these things are just so convenient. So, so very convenient how they're all connected, but nobody points the finger at anybody in this day and age where we want to expose everybody.
5: My millennials stay woke.
0: Okay. (laughs) Great words, Maxine.
1: (laughs) All right. So let's get into the final clip of the meaning connection. What
10: forces could be responsible for compromising the entire system of justice? Bill Clinton certainly knows. He was the governor of Arkansas who allowed the subversion of his state government by the shadowy forces radiating from the Reagan-Bush White House when ex-CIA director William Casey began using the CIA to illegally conduct secret foreign policy. This serious breach of America's constitutional authority was labeled by the media as iran Contra. This documentary will rewrite this dark period in American history and leave you with a gnawing question. Who or what is running this country? Gun running. Mysterious CIA flights. Contra military training. Guerrilla pilot training. Clandestine airdrops. Tons of illegal drugs. Millions of dollars in dirty money. Covert activity in some third world banana republic, right? Wrong. Arkansas, America's own banana republic.
0: If you think it ended with Iran-Contra, uh, <laughs> let's look at Libya, let's look at Syria, uh, Benghazi has to do with this, uh, gun running, uh, terrorist, mm-hmm. airdrop. Oh, who was it? Oh, who was involved? Oh, oh my, another Clinton, yes. Hillary Clinton, except, uh, you know, the the payoff was different. The payoff was in Money to the Clinton Foundation, uh, all mm-hmm. kinds of shenanigans. Yeah, you know, I I, w- I started watching her perfectly timed documentary, which right. uh, launched March sixth, which is what you do right after Super Tuesday, uh, of course, perfect. <laughs> and it is, uh, it is so convincing. I've only seen the first hour; it's four hours. Uh-huh. You, you, I actually think Hillary Clinton started as a very good person. And somewhere, I've only seen the first hour, I I will identify it, somewhere the power or the money or a combination got to her and she just became evil itself.
1: Well, from what I've read on her, the Rodham family has nefarious ties to organized crime. (laughs) And and her adoptive family, the, the Bushes, I mean, this is not my words. This is her adoptive brother speaking. When he asked, uh, well, asked about Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, he said, oh, that's my brother. And he's like, oh, so what does that make Hillary? Oh, my sister. Yeah. So I'll, I'm not giving them a pass.
0: Well, by the, by the way, Hillary, <laughs> Hillary truly is white. I mean, she comes from, from white supremacy. Yes. She, she comes from uh, the, the Coventry, England. Here it is. Morris Rodham, Archdeacon of Warwick. Mm-hmm. She literally is from the, the white bloodlines that, that, uh, that are the origins of white supremacy. It doesn't have to go back that far, actually. And,
1: and the Bushes are white by marriage because they married into the Brown family. Exactly. And the Harem family. So, I mean, those are very big names. So, uh, just getting back on track with the Arkansas connection, two things. One. I remember this is pre-internet. There was a group called Goody Mob. they were associated with Outcast. You 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 familiar with Outcast, yeah. Andre 3000 yeah, of course, and uh, of course. Big Boy. Yeah. They had a song that went uh don't don't hold me to the lyrics exactly, but it said, Dirty Bill Clinton for me some weight. Told me uh get ten, bring him eight. Uh no, bring him eight something. But he was basically alluding to the it's fact a drug that, deal.
0: A drug deal with yeah, Bill. Yeah.
1: Including Bill Clinton.
0: Well, it's not like we don't know Bill and his brother were kind of fans of the powder.
1: So, going back to the Arkansas connection, my brain does what it does, and I remember this uh, documentary about Little Rock, Arkansas in the mid-90s from HBO called Banging in Little Rock.
14: Several years ago when I saw the death rate began to change or not the death rate was increasing but the demographics the, the victims were becoming much younger and younger and began to see tattoos and brands on, on the victims and began to notice graffiti and, and then began to notice that the violence just was increasing and uh, drive-by shootings and random shootings and random killings and retaliation killings and it just went on and on until 1992 we had uh, a record rate of homicides in Little Rock and it looks we've broken the record in 1993 and it's just gone on and on
0: and on. l <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton is hated in Little Rock. Uh huh. He is hated. My uncle, uh, who uh, I should disclose—I should have disclosed this earlier. My uncle Don Don Gregg. He was National Security Advisor to Bush Senior during Iran mm-hmm. Contra. There were hearings, and he was grilled. And he was uh, uh, exonerated as having nothing to do with it. Um, Politically, he was damaged, and he became uh, ambassador to South Korea. Uh, But I I speak to him often. I've never really talked to him about this. If I don't, if if he, I don't. He may not want to talk about it. I don't know. Uh, But I, I do know that he went to. He had some business in Little Rock. And he was talking to, I think there's some kind of state library, and I just recall him telling the story that all the, particularly women who were there, the name of Bill Clinton just brought, like, scowls of anger. They hate him. Mm -hmm. hate him.
1: Well... I'm going to go into a little bit of... Can I get a little, little theorem? Not a lot. Little theorem. I'm about to go a little left
0: with the I think we, I think we can roll out a bit of theorem in for you. There you go. All right. Here we go. We're going to... I don't know if it's going to be conspiracy theory or conspiracy facts. We'll see. All right. All
2: so, right.
0: Are, you,
1: are you familiar with Mr. George Webb?
0: Yes, of course. George Webb does great yes. YouTube videos. Uh, he is. He's so far out ahead of understanding... Um, in particular crimes like what happened in Benghazi Um, mm-hmm. I mean yeah the, the, the guy is fantastic he has such a high output it's almost impossible to keep up with him but yes of course I'm familiar with him and with
1: that said I dug and dug and dug and dug and dug and couldn't find this clip but I'll never forget it verbatim this is what he said he was like "Uh, well not verbatim but I'm going to give you a synopsis of what he said Arkansas that is the home of Mena, Arkansas, home of Bill Clinton, but also home of Walmart and Tyson's Chicken. Yes. Okay. This way he tells the story is they used to ship the cocaine in Tyson's inside chicken. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard this. And what validated this for me is if you know anything about rap, hip hop, and uh, uh slang. Uh slain for a kilo of cocaine is a chicken. So when he said that, my head
0: said, Poof. "Wow!" It just blew it wide open, and that and that would and make he, about sense. A chicken about two, you know, two pounds. Oh yeah. my goodness! So the hollowed out the hollowed out
1: chicken. They would put it inside there, and they would distribute it to the Walmart, which <laughs> Sam Walton. <laughs> Sam Walton, you. His children are what, like six, seven, and eight on the Forbes?
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> the, the whole fam- richest family in in the, in the world, so pretty much, yeah.
1: Right, so all this came out of Arkansas, and then you see this special banging in, I'm like, banging in Little Rock? Why do they have gangs in Little Rock
0: and all these drugs? Well, hello, it's in the chicken. There you have it. And, and by the way, how cynical is that for a drug that uh well let's just say if we take it to crack cocaine targeted black people to then put it in chicken holy crap that's bad (laughs) that's the worst and even more cynical how is it that hillary clinton
1: could fix her list to call other people super predators
7: the fourth challenge is to take back our streets from crime gangs and drugs And we have actually been making progress on this count as a nation because of what local law enforcement officials are doing, because of what citizens and neighborhood patrols are doing. We're making some progress. Much of it is related to the initiative called community policing because we have finally gotten more police officers on the street. That was one of the goals that the president had when he pushed the crime bill that was passed in 1994. He promised 100,000 police. We're moving in that direction but we can see it already makes a difference because if we have more police interacting with people having them on the streets we can prevent crimes we can prevent petty crimes from turning into something worse. But we also have to have an organized effort against gangs, just as in a previous generation we had an organized effort against the mob. We need to take these people on. They are often connected to big drug cartels. They are not just gangs of kids anymore. They are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heal. And the president has asked the FBI to launch a very concerted effort against gangs everywhere.
0: That's that's one of my favorite clips because it has everything in it. It's got the they we need to bring them to heal. I love that super mm-hmm. predators. We're you know in the old they country.
1: Can make- and connected to large cartels. Oh, yeah. As the one that me and my husband run.
0: Uh, this <laughs> is uh, in the old country, we say, What you say, ben yourself, mit your kop door de helft. You are what you accuse others of. J'accuse, Macuse in French. Mm-hmm. This is always the way it is. They're so brazen, it's unreal. Uh, so. so- so one of those super predators,
1: and this is going to just to be <laughs> foreshadowed to how it well, comes I, into I, I know scene. what's
0: coming now. We know the biggest super predator on the scene. Mr. Sean Jay-Z Carter.
1: Uh, he owns Rockefeller Records. Now, let me shine a little light on r- the name Rockefeller. Rockefeller can mean, uh, you know, David Rockefeller, one of the Illuminati, a.k.a. white, suprem- uh, white supremacy. Uh, oh, wait. Let me guess. Let me guess. Was- let
0: me guess. Let me guess. Uh-huh. Something with Rock? No, Rockefeller <laughs> drug laws. Oh, my goodness. Oh.
1: Which are the statutes dealing with the sale and possession of narcotic drugs in the New York state penal law. The law was named after Nelson Rockefeller, who was the state governor at the time. The law was adopted. Rockefeller had previously backed drug rehabilitation, job training and housing str- strategies, have seen drugs as a social problem rather than a, cr- a criminal one. But did not, but did an about face during a period of mounting national anxiety about drug use and crime. Rockefeller, a staunch supporter of the bill containing the law, had presidential ambitions and so wanted to raise his national posture by being tough on crime. And now Mr. Jay Z names his record label after Rockefeller. And I find it weird that the Rockefeller family never made him change the name of his record label. Yeah. (laughs) And I even find it more weird that Mr. Super Predator himself, Jay-Z, Boulay, uh, Extraordinaire, and his wife, uh, show support for Hillary Clinton in 2016.
9: Eight years ago, I was so inspired to know that my nephew, a young black child, could grow up knowing his dreams could be realized by witnessing a black president in office. And now we have the opportunity to create more change. I want my daughter to grow up seeing a woman lead our country. are limitless. We have to think about the future of our daughters, our sons, and vote for someone who cares for them as much as we do. And that is why I'm with her.
1: And this other guy, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards him, but his conversation is divisive, and that's not an evolved soul to me. So he cannot be my president. He cannot be our president. Once you divide us, you weaken us. We're stronger together. Once you divide us, you weaken us. We are stronger together. And without further ado, I would like to introduce to you the next
0: Yes, Miss Butter Biscuit Beyoncé, right there front and center with JLZ. What a friggin' joke. You know, it, this is a psychological thing, and this came up on the Rogan Show about the Google mm-hmm. guys. You know, people who are abused often go on to abuse others. Uh, abuse children often go on uh, to abuse children. Mm-hmm. Abuse children abuse children, and it perpetuates... And yes. I think this is a clear example of this uh, psychological condition. I, I have no other explanation for it. I really no, I don't. I mean, why else would you be like that? Would you do that? How How is it that she can
1: fit her mouth to call people super predators and the very poster book? I mean, poster child for being a super predator. You have him campaign for you. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I
0: don't understand. No, it. it's, I, it's, it's just, uh, birds of a feather flock together. It it, it <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> this okay. Uh, I, I I want everyone to hear me now. Believe me later. You must tweet this episode in relation to Hillary Clinton's documentary. Before you watch the documentary, listen to this show. Tell Please. tell people that because it puts a lot of context into what's going on uh if you are voting in a democratic primary and by the way there's also you know when it comes down to elections there are also independent parties and not just two you can choose from um okay. I, I always choose for the guy who wants to build a dome around something and give flamethrowers to, mm-hmm. to 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 uh, to teachers um but bear in mind the history of what appears to be the true front runners joe biden and bernie sanders and what you've heard today and propagate that mm-hmm. formula let people know about it you know it's and and I'm just as guilty of it. I forget you know i I've, I've been looking at Joe Biden for weeks now on this this they just look at how senile he is, and I completely forget too. It's like, oh man, he wrote the bill. It wasn't just you know how he's standing up there and going, I was a part of that when and by the way, when he says I was a part of the the assault weapon ban, yeah, the assault weapon mm. ban actually was. One the What's first the title in the actual um, uh, 1994 crime bill, so it wasn't a separate entity. It's because he wrote right. the whole thing, and you can't just let the man take credit for one part and not the other part.
1: Uh, and, and what I and, and in closing, what I find just what baffles me is he has a son who allegedly struggles with addiction. Oh, it's not alleged; he's been arrested for it. He uh, was kicked uh, out of the military right. for it. So. Where's the compassion? This thing can, I mean, drugs is not something that you, it, they always set it up, and and I'm going to close on this. We heard in the Godfather, what they say? You can sell drugs as long as you leave it down there with the niggers. And I don't use that word very often on this show. I don't think I ever have, but no. just to show you the potency of that idea. Yeah, bring it in, leave it down there with the, you know, the blacks, quote unquote, the blacks. And, you know, let it kill them. But it always seeps out. And it, it, it comes, it, you know, comes to hit them close to home. And it, it, you know, it there's no comp- there is no compassion. And like I said, the only solution is we have to police ourselves. Uh, We have to have police come from the community. And
0: and and that's it. And pay attention to who you're voting for. That does matter. And I'm talking <laughs> local. A real True politics is local. Look at what's going on in your city council. Look at who your local representatives are. Who are your representatives in, in Congress and the Senate? These are the people you need to hound. Yeah, the figureheads, yeah, there's there's reasons for them. There's important reasons for them. But look at your local situation. That's where you can change the most. And please consider supporting the work that is being done here on MoFax with Adam Curry. You can uh, find uh, our episodes, more information at mofax.com. And we have a direct link uh, to our donation page at mofundme.com where we be spitting the truth once a week.
1: And while you're paying attention to those candidates, also pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself.
16: Yeah. This song goes out to all the teens across America, man. Living in single parent homes and they mother or father won't pick their boyfriend or girlfriend over you. Remember parents, kids don't ask to be born. My story goes a little bit deeper. Come about 88. 88, 88, 88. Yo, this nigga named Rugs. My mom dates him. Sweet, to God, I gotta hate him. If I could, I would break him. When he come around, her brain sizzles like a steak. Him. Damn, can't Jakes take him? She neglected me. Run around with this punk nigga recklessly. Had her in time tumb, guess she was an ecstasy. Buzzed, love very possessive. Be, od excessively. That's a boyfriend. Or a toy friend. See, let me specify. Her last man took the money, left the guy, desert dry, gave it to D Rug, she kept her high. When he come around, see her facial, guess it was his fragrance, she sniffed it in her nasal. She wouldn't even listen, I told her he ain't faithful, you fucking with her, Rachel. Y'all so dumb, making me look disgraceful. He got a girl, Hazel, and another white woman with him and be facial. Put the deal done, it's 91, mom still strong. On this nigga D his game tight. Every night in the room to screw him. Yeah, she doom. But my man unknown. School me too. Told me he a mad hoe. He used to pimple. He could get me mad though. What you mean? Yo, it's more than just your mother. He got other partners. He a foreigner though. The cops don't like illegal alien. Can't even say his name on the phone. But get money with him leave him alone or you will be inside the new cuffs plus a news rush told me more about him then he introduced us took me to the block where everybody get him off show me his clientele ever since hit it off he was right these rugs got dumb freaks, men and women love him got me tanker i'm your
5: mama i'm your daddy i'm daddy.
16: Yo, now it's 98, D-Rugs, he paid me well, 500 SEL, got me laying A.T.L., it's all swell, way beyond the fellas, now that we together, I think my mom is jealous, cause he with me now, but see the way I G him, cause when it come to her, she even paid the him. yo, money excite me, but niggas on my block, they got deep. cause I'm with D-Rugs, they don't like me, tried to snipe me, right before. The damn feds had indicted me. You know my mother, her nostrils wide. Too much of d vugs left her hospitalized. We both was arrested. Stars of the block, my by cardiac, me by the cops. But for my mother, there was nothing but love. But that's what we get, fucking I'm with drugs.
5: Your mom, I'm your mama, I'm your daddy, that nigga yeah. in the